Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth. This blue-chip discussion in small of Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. The Point is the place to be for compelling discussion not heard anywhere else. We supremely unpack the details and expose the hidden facts of the initiatives being supported by our lawmakers and our candidates who are running for office we also discuss the developments and the milestones that are not being thoroughly reported by the mainstream, lamestream, Pravda fake news media, those sultans of sinister media. Um, and, you know, I just want to thank everybody for being with us today. I, I, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in because, you know, we are proud that you've made us your guiding light in times of political upheaval like and turmoil like we're having right now with this coronavirus that uh, Joe Biden can't remember the name of in his recent interview. He couldn't come up with coronavirus. He said that virus, that whatever virus anyway, but we do unpack the truth in a way that just truly packs a punch. And uh, that's why we're here. And we appreciate you tuning in folks. I want to start it off by a little, I want to start the show off with a little bit of, well, I'm going to say humor. I'm amazed at what happened here. This is an amazing story. So before we get to the show itself and get to the polls that I wanted to bring up and stuff like that. I want to talk about, you know, you've heard it said it was in a movie. I believe it was in one of those untouchables movies or something where you said, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, you can expand that to, you don't bring a cruise ship into a naval battle unless you're in a naval battle with the Venezuelan Navy. There was a high seas naval battle the other day between the Venezuelan Navy and the Columbia cruise ship services. The Venezuelan Navy sent its ship against the Portuguese cruise liner RCGS Resolute. The cruise liner was in between cruises, so they only had like like three dozen people on board, 32 hands or something on board. But, you know, while those people were there on board and just kind of sitting in their staterooms or whatever it was they were doing at the time, okay, they were watching this horror unfold. The Venezuelan Navy vessel pulled up and ordered the cruise ship from international waters into a Venezuelan port. Well, the captain of the cruise ship then called his home office. And while on the phone, the Venezuelan naval vessel fired on the cruise ship. Well, the captain couldn't believe it, but the Venezuelan Navy was even more surprised because their firing on the cruise ship did not bring this brave captain to his knees. No, he wasn't begging for mercy. He wasn't begging the Venezuelan Navy, please don't shoot us. Please don't sink our ship. No, no, no. He was staying on, he was on hold with his home office. He was trying to make, to get permission to see what they wanted him to do. Well, the Venezuelan Navy captain didn't want to wait for the home office, so he rams the cruise ship. That's right, folks. He rams the cruise ship. And now the Venezuelan Navy vessel sitting at the bottom of the Caribbean Sea. <laughs> yes, that really happened, folks. See, the problem is the Venezuelan naval officer, see, he failed to recognize that the cruise ship that he was in made in, and it was made in, in Venezuela, of course, and therefore could not stand up to cruise ships in a naval battle. See, the, the naval officer didn't realize that he was on a ship made in Venezuela. And so he, you know, he didn't realize, okay, well, I got a problem here because, 
you know, this cruise ship is going to be able to outgun me. Well, it did. Okay. So the result of the battle, the naval battle, was Columbia Cruise Services won, Venezuelan Navy nothing. And uh, the Venezuelan Naval Secretary called the cruise ship cowardly for not helping the sailors that were in the water from the sinking naval vessel. I thought that was pretty delicious. <laughs> it was later discovered that the cruise ship itinerary had nothing listed about covert operations in Venezuela. So I guess maybe the naval officer could have spared himself a lot of grief and misery. And of course, a bath in the, in the, in the ocean. Had he just asked the captain what his intent was. I got to tell you folks, I'm amazed at that, but that goes back to the old, the old additive, you know, again, uh, you just, you don't, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight and uh, you don't go into a naval battle with a Venezuelan naval vessel unless you're going up against bamboo rafts or something because you're going up against an actual cruise ship that has the firepower of a cruise ship, you know, whatever that firepower, some flares or something. Uh, obviously, you're gonna have, he's going to have to be thinking about how he could be sunk. Anyway, I thought it was delicious. I wanted to share that part of the weekly activities with our audience. I thought you guys would all get a chuckle out of the levity watching the Venezuelan Navy lose a battle with the Columbia Cruise Services, their ship called Resolute. Anyway, I want to get to the polls a little bit. And, and the ABC News Washington Post poll. Now, it's not it's not a lot of good news for Democrats, folks. It just isn't. We see Biden being anointed by the Democrats. We see this happening. And we see no one, not even not even Joe Biden himself, believing he can win. So first off, let me say that this particular poll historically oversamples Democrats, but in this poll, this one, it oversampled independents. I thought that was interesting. Because even with the oversampling, Biden's chances are equivalent to a steer in a slaughterhouse or maybe a horse running the Kentucky Derby, a horse with a heart condition running in the Kentucky Derby with a 300-pound jockey on his back. I don't know. I, he has no chance to win. I think everyone knows it, including Joe Biden. But, and including the people that obviously put out this poll, because the, the sampling was so horribly wrong and, and misleading. So you have to ask, was it deliberate or was it a mistake? I don't think these polling companies make mistakes. I think that was a deliberate. They, they polled 30%. The Democrats polled 30%. Republicans poll. I should say the Democrats polled 40%. Republicans polled 24%. And the independents were the balance. So I thought that was very interesting. So they oversampled the Democrats. I mean, they just, they just oversampled them horribly. And uh, and anyway, so, you know, we, we know from election returns that this is just generally wrong. Because generally speaking, polling sampling should be something like they got the Democrats right, about 40 percent. Republicans should be like 38, 39 percent and maybe 21 percent or so for the independents. That's how it should go. Generally, you don't oversample independents with, you know, with uh, with 37 percent. You just don't do that. And you don't you don't do 20 you know, a 36% independence. You don't do 24% Republicans and certainly you don't jam 40% Democrats. So 
I'm going to call this the Democrat independent polling. That's what I'm going to call this. The Democrats and the independent poll from ABC News, Washington Post. Because you see, the Republicans were only an afterthought in the polling. After all, they they barely got to uh, 24%. They didn't even poll 24% of them. So again, uh, in this election with Trump enthusiasm and Republican Party unity, it is it is it, the unity like it is. It's just uh, when compared to the, un- the Democrat Party enthusiasm gap and the energetic support for Biden being at record lows, this has got many very, very concerned. And the way the Democrats stacked the deck against Bernie Sanders, I think that's and, and possibly with Cuomo against Biden. I think that's uh, another story that's been out there bannered about the possibility that the Democrats, I mean, even Dick Morris made a comment that he thought it was very possible that they could, uh, they could run the gambit with, uh, with Cuomo and uh, put him in as a write-in in New York and see what they can do. I don't know. Cause New York's the absolute last primary. So they might do a write-in in New York and see if they can't beat Biden with the Cuomo write-in. I don't know. Cause he's not on the ballot. But whatever the case is, uh, the Democrats, if that was to happen, I think the Democrat Party would just be in uproar about that. And I say that because the Democrats would not. Well, first off, the people that support uh, the people that support Bernie Sanders, uh, they would almost unilaterally. All of them would just withdraw from the from the election cycle, I don't think. Or they would vote for Trump. I mean, that would turn off every radical leftist that was in the Democrat Party because it would be a complete shaft of their of their views. And secondly, I think everybody in the Democrat Party, including obviously Bernie's left hand Marxist brigade, uh, they would all be very upset that the Democrats would put somebody in there uh, based upon the idea that, you know, he wasn't. Well, first of all, he wasn't on any of the ballots anywhere. And he didn't go through the election cycle. So so somebody who nobody voted for would be the nominee. And I think that that just reeks of a stacked deck or uh, a stone cold corruption. I don't know. It just reeks, it reeks badly. So I don't think they're going to do it, but it is possible. I've heard that talked about, but with an, there's an anticipated extraordinary turnout for Republicans coming and they know it. I mean, David Plouffe, and I'm going to get to this a little later, but David Plouffe was on Fox news. Uh, Sunday or my, uh, one of the business shows on Fox. Anyway, he was talking and he made a statement that he uh, he believed wholeheartedly that Trump was as strong now as he's ever been. Even with this virus and the shutdown of the economy, people see him as the leader we need. And even in this independent Democrat poll, which we're going to get to some of the figures, you're going to see that Trump still beats Biden. And I mean, and that's what almost and that's what, you know, only 23, 24 percent of Republicans polled. I mean, that to me tells a lot. Twenty three percent of Republicans being polled. That says a lot. And it spells defeat for the Democrats. And I think it spells defeat before the race even gets started. But let's look at some of this and, uh, you know, uh, what we're looking at here, the, 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 based on the level of enthusiasm for Republicans, the level of despair for the Democrats. Seven months out of our election in November, I do anticipate a turnout model of like maybe 38% Democrats, maybe not 40, but certainly not, you know, I mean, 37, 39, 40, right in that window. I think the, I think the, 
I think that's where it will probably go. I think the Republicans will be every bit of 38 to 40 percent. And I do think that the independents will make the rest up. Okay. And, uh, you know, 20 percent or so. So, you know, what this means is not only Trump winning in a, like a Reagan's a Reagan-esque landslide, but the Republicans winning over 50, maybe 50 additional House seats about 30 or so more than they need for the majority and perhaps another two or three Senate seats. Uh, they'll certainly hang on to what they have. You know, Corey, Corey Gardner will hang on to his seat and others. Olympia, uh, you know, they'll, they'll hang on to uh, the seats up there in, uh, in Maine and everywhere else. Uh, they're going to hang on to their seats. I don't, I don't see that as a problem. Um, this isn't pie in the sky. And I'm not, I'm not talking about pie in the sky. I'm speaking from knowledge guided by facts and trends, folks. That's what I'm speaking on. Knowledge guided by the facts and trends. And according to this slanted poll that ABC News did put out, Trump's very enthusiastic support is right around 54%. And Biden's very enthusiastic support is right at 24%. To put that in perspective, Hillary Clinton at this stage in the game had about a 40% very enthusiastic poll. So Biden is trending way under her. I think this is the Mount Everest of obstacles for Biden to have to overcome and why so many Democrats are looking to use their superdelegates, as I said, to simply insert another candidate like maybe Andrew the pious Cuomo, the governor of New York. Because even Biden knows and everyone else knows with members like this that they can't win. I mean, I, I think Biden knows this. And, and I think that's what depresses him as he's in his bunker. He's in his concrete bunker. And he, uh, you know, not practicing, uh, not practicing uh, good, good uh, hand-eye usage. He's, he's bringing his hands to his face in the middle of these discussions. Uh, he loses his place in the middle of sentences. And his teleprompter doesn't work. He doesn't know what to do. He even forgets the name of the coronavirus or he forgets the names of governors and states, things like that. Things that you don't expect a presidential candidate to, to, to lose track of. I mean, it's something an average person might lose track of. I mean, you know, the average person might, you know, not be able to uh, remember the name of the governor of whatever state. But when you know you're going to be talking about, when you know what you're talking about and you, you know you're going to be referencing governors and states, you want to make sure the names of those governors are written down so you don't have that problem. <laughs> Or certainly uh, make note to self. Don't forget the names. <laughs> but, I, you know, I know it's early, but this is all bad. It's, it's a bad omen for the Democrats. Look, Bob Dole, Hillary Clinton, John McCain, Mitt Romney, they were all losers. And they all were under 32% at the election. But they were higher than that earlier on. And I remember Bob Dole back in 96 and the shaking hand as he was handling his water over there in San Diego. And he went back for the, his glass of water and how the, the news camera was right on his hand, zooming in so you could see the shaking of the glass of water as he put the water glass down, as he was getting a, a drink of water in between the crowd roaring for, for him. I remember John McCain and, and Mitt Romney and how there was no enthusiasm at all for these candidates on the Republican side. I mean, none. There was no real enthusiasm. I mean, Trump shows up at the Mohegan Sun up there in Scranton. And every time he's up there, he's got 20,000 that show up. Okay. He's got about 13 to 15 inside. And then he's got the balance outside who can't get inside. 
Well, John McCain was down there uh, in the election in 2008, and I don't believe he had more than 2,000 show up. And I think, I mean, he had one-tenth the crowd. And, th- and this was late in the term. I mean, this was like in September or October after they'd already announced who he was. And he comes over there, and he couldn't get a couple thousand people over there in Scranton to see him. And I think that's a real telling point. I mean, and in September and October, whoever the candidate is, they should have crowds of 500,000, 1,500 or more. John McCain goes to a huge event like the O'Hagan Sun Arena, and he couldn't bring a crowd to it. I mean, Trump, wherever he goes, he brings 15,000, 20,000 people. I mean, Joe Biden, Joe Biden does even less than John McCain. Joe Biden couldn't have 500 people show up at an event. I mean, you know, Joe Biden doesn't have hardly anybody show up at an event. I mean, he was in a high school gymnasium, I believe, in a February. It was, uh, no, it was March. It was before the Super Tuesday election in early March. He was in a, he was in a, uh, a, a gymnasium. He was in a gymnasium. And uh, they couldn't be, I, I don't think there was more than like three or 400 people. I saw the videos. He had like three or 400 people in the gymnasium. It was just before the Super Tuesday primary election. So it was after New Hampshire because when he was in New Hampshire, I remember the reporter saying Joe Biden had a great crowd. Great crowds are showing up 100, 200 people in line. Okay. And then, you know, Trump's over there in New Jersey with, you know, thousands outside in line. Oh, by the way, overnight, he had hundreds in line overnight the night before. And then as the day went on during the day, thousands more show up. And they said, oh, good crowd. <laughs> you know, so they make that comparison. They're linking his good crowd and they're putting on the same level as, as anybody else's good crowd when he got 10 times the crowd. But anyway, I just think it's important. And, and again, um, Biden is right now at 24%, and that's very concerning to, concerning the Democrats. So they're looking at Andrew the pious Cuomo right now because they know with the social distancing, they can't even mount a messaging campaign or anything. You know, Trump's on the TV every day, unfiltered and unedited. And he hates, they all hate it. They, they hate it. I mean, but like get, getting back to the polling data, you know, looking at the political trends, despite the COVID-19 shutdown of our economy, in this independent Democrat poll, 57% of the voters were strongly behind Trump's handling of the economy. And again, in a realistic sampling... Okay, a 40, 39 and 21, like 40 percent D's, 39 percent, 38 percent R's and then the rest being independent. We would likely see Trump approvals on the economy sort of like 63, 65 percent. If the sampling was right with the Republicans, this would be a close to two thirds seeing Trump's handling the economy as being astronomical. And as I stated, the enthusiasm gap approval numbers on the economy and handling of the crisis, as well as overall approval numbers, all stat strongly for Trump with a more realistic sampling. We would like using in past elections, you would see these much better. I mean, much, much better. I mean, in a general election match between Biden and Trump, right in this particular poll that they did, this Democrat independent poll, it showed Trump beating Biden 49 to 47. But in a realistic sampling, you would see it be like more like 54 to 42. You know, you know, forty-six or something, or maybe fifty-five to forty-five, uh, or maybe even worse, maybe fifty-seven to forty-three. That's what I think. 
because if they threw more them if they threw more Republicans in there, the way pe- the Republicans feel about Trump, it's likely that Trump would have gone from forty nine percent to say fifty eight percent, and and that would only. I mean, I don't think the Democrat polling would have changed. I mean, they, they, this was a Democrat poll. I mean, that you would have seen fewer independents in this poll if they did the correct sampling. But the independents are leaning towards Trump anyway. So they're going to lose a little ground with that. But what we see is the sultans of sinister and the propaganda are so upset. And they're reacting the way they are. It's because they they see the unthinkable occurring before their very eyes. See, all the other numbers change when you when you change the, the metrics of the poll, the actual polling sample. They know this. They know the real numbers. They know what they're putting out to the public isn't real. And that's why they're threatening, as they are, CNN and MSNBC are threatening to not air the president live during his news conferences. They're threatening to not do that. Now, they are doing that, but they seem to cut him off at a certain hour. They do cut him off. And then they do a, uh, they, they do a, uh, you know, some sort of a, an, an expert interpretation, if you will, of their, with their fake experts, uh, of what he said. But they're, they're, they need to be showing this live and they know this. Trump declared a national emergency. They have an obligation to do this. And I think they know this. And if they try to not air the president when he's talking about the national emergency, then they could lose their license as a news agency. And I think they know that too. There's a possibility of that. So they got to be careful of that. They can throw the shot across the bow. They can threaten all they want, but they have to air them. And I think they know it. And their attorneys have already told them. And Trump's real cool about it. He doesn't throw it back at them. He just says, go ahead, you take me off the air and I'll take, and we'll, we'll take away your license as a news agency. And you, you'll have to be, you'll then be labeled as a propaganda machine. You'll have to get a license for that, which I think is delicious. See, folks, this is not good news for Biden in the poll, plain and simple. And with the slanted numbers, he's running behind badly. I mean, real bad. With realistic numbers, his chances are similar to, well, like I said, a steer in a slaughterhouse or a custer surrounding all those Indians at the Battle of Little Bighorn. Or perhaps, as I announced earlier, his chances are similar to a Venezuelan naval vessel against a, uh, a cruise ship from the Columbia Cruise Services. Um, All of this, again, all of this with an entire media apparatus support with their complete phony narrative being put out. In this slanted poll, Biden, he's just sitting at 43% trusting him to handle the COVID-19 and 42% trusting him on the economy. And, and, you know, and Trump beats him. And with realistic polling, it drops Biden further and elevates Trump more. So Trump approvals with COVID handling are likely closer to 50% or more. And on the economy, it's probably the same or maybe a little better, probably closer to 60. I, I would say he's probably in the 60s in both, you know, because with a realistic poll, he's going to be like probably 55 or 60 on, on both questions. That's what I think. Instead of where he was running in the, you know, in the, in the, in the mid 40s. Look, Trump economy approvals in this poll are 57%, and a realistic poll has got to be over 63. I mean, that's just the way it is. I think anybody would agree with that, maybe even 65 or more. See, once the crisis is mitigated, we're all going to go back to work. And once quarantine ends, the only thing that's 
was going to matter is getting the economy running again in this slanted poll that shows Biden getting just 40 to 42% of the confidence on that. In a realistic poll, Biden and Democrats and the propaganda media all know that this is not likely to to, to get passed out, to get out of the no hope range. I mean, that's what they know. This is why I think Obama, his campaign manager, you know, Pluff made the comment that it's not likely or will not be because he, he knows the Democrats. He, he said, you know, it's not likely or will not. He, what you're seeing right now is he sees Trump's turnout coming out in record numbers. He sees the enthusiasm for the president and he, and he knows it's real and, and they, they just can't do anything about it. So the Democrats and the, and the and the sultans of sinister and the propaganda prompted propaganda networks, they're resorting now at these news conferences to the Monday morning quarterback syndrome. They all want to, they're all attempting to lay this at Trump's feet in retrospect. Sort of like what happens when people watch a football game, they come back three days later and talk about all the ways that a, uh, the owner of the, you know, the owner of a, I should say the quarterback of the football team that lost and maybe how, or how the coach could have called different plays or if they'd done this different or done that different. Everyone looks at how the game went and then they pick apart what could have done better. And it's not about learning because it's, it's for these guys. See, the ones that need to be looking retrospectively are the players and the coaches themselves. But the media wants it to be everybody else because they think, okay, we're going to be critical of Trump. Well, people aren't being critical of Trump because they know that this is his first pandemic as it is everyone else alive's first pandemic. They know this. And they know that no one expected a pandemic. They know that too. And they also know, and I think what's interesting is they're watching these sultans of sinister go after Trump in the with savagery, absolute savagery, and and just questions that are pre predetermined questions before these news conferences ever begin. You know, look, the pressure of being president of the United States is something that no one has ever prepared for, and the only one that who seems to be fine with it is Trump. Okay, and that's just the truth of it. I mean, everyone else is aged immensely. I mean, almost immediately, Obama looked older. George W. Bush almost immediately looked older, but Trump doesn't. Trump actually looks five years younger than he was when he was first elected. Look, the day after Trump announced the ban in, in late January, Biden posted a tweet claiming actions needed to be taken in the name of science and not with Trump's alleged record of hysteria and xenophobia and fear-mongering. That was a tweet Biden put out. Now, during a campaign event in Fort Madison, Iowa, on January 31st, Biden referred to the action as hysterical xenophobia, you know, the shutting down of the, of the, of the flights to China. You know, he was saying this in every interview and it's from his basement. I mean, he's doing, he he was saying this up until now he's been saying this in every one of his interviews. I remember he was on an interview with the CNN and he was saying about the xenophobia use it then. Well, see, now Joe Biden supports the travel bans that are guided by medical experts and advocated by public health officials and backed by a full strategy. Why? Because Biden's deputy, because Biden's deputy campaign manager, Kate Bedingfield, probably told him that uh, nearly everybody in the country supports the travel ban. So you're on the losing side of this. So now they're backtracking this a little bit and they're saying, oh, well, Biden's comments were 
of xenophobia allegations was referring to Trump calling it a Chinese virus. Folks, this is a communist Chinese virus. It's what it is. It happened and started in China. That's what Trump said. And, and you know what's interesting is Trump didn't re- he did not connect the virus with China until probably mid to late March anyway. So all those claims in February were wrong. When he did the travel bans, he wasn't calling this a Chinese virus then, but whatever. I mean, Biden's slip is showing. Everyone knows it. I think he saw the polling. You know, we get some, we have some real media malpractice that's been going on. I think this is important, okay? Um, it was interesting because USA Today conducted a fact check oh, about 10 days ago in which the media outlet declared as true that the claim that Obama's administration failed to replenish the supply of N95 masks in the strategic national stockpile after it had run out in the wake of past health crises. So they said that was true. So, you know, shortly before that, Trump said during a White House coronavirus daily briefing that the nation's strategic stockpile of PPE, that's personal protective equipment, such as N95 masks, had been nearly depleted when he assumed office. Well, that now has been found true in a media and a fact check by USA Today. And the report also added there was no serious effort made to replenish the stockpile. So I guess Joe Biden's got some explaining to do there, too. You know, so the, they're doing, I think what's happening now is the sultans of sinister and the prop the propaganda networks, they're doing all they can do. The only thing they can do, which is commit media malpractice. That's all they can do. And they're at work every day with it. So recently, a few days ago, uh, maybe a week ago, uh, the Associated Press continued to blame Trump administration for having squandered nearly two months that could have been used to bolster the federal the uh, the critically needed medical supplies and PPEs. Now, three months into the crisis, that stockpile is nearly drained just as the numbers of patients needing critical care is surging. That's what the AP report said. And, of course, uh, you got Kathleen Sebelius. We all remember her, the former governor, I believe, of Kansas, who became the, the, uh, the, the drumbeat bugle player uh, announcing and pronouncing and proclaiming Obamacare. She was out there doing the, the talking circuits, lying to people. She even come out and said, we basically wasted two months. So, you know, as we're talking about this and as I'm saying this to you, I just want to point out, again, the fact check. So Kathleen Sebelius was lying again. And this, this is what I want everybody to understand. They're out there declaring that Trump depleted the national stuff, that, 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 that Trump wasted time and squandered time and not getting the PPEs to the front lines. When, as Trump has been saying all along, there was nothing to, to, to issue because there was no stockpile replenished in the six years following the swine flu epidemic. Barack Hussein Obama, Kathleen Sebelius, and of course, Joe Biden did not replace it. Here's another Here's another episode of media malpractice. CNN reporters were asking Trump at the press conference questions like, why, why are you promoting hydro, hydroxychloroquine in a CPAC? Why are you doing this? And, and again, I asked the question, what do you mean promoting? He's simply making an announcement. 
You see, I don't think this reporter likes the president reminding Americans that this has shown great promise in the field. He doesn't want to give Trump, the president of the United States, the ability to say that or the authority to say that. I mean, he would give it to another president, but not Trump. He's attacking Trump for talking up hope for people that have no hope. And I think that's really compelling. You know, Trump clearly stated it may work, it may not work. He's simply putting out there something that may help. And, and you know, instead, you know, if, if, if it could be used if it had to be used. But I think what's interesting is what some health experts are saying about this uh, hydroxychloroquine and z the health experts. I'm not talking about Fauci either. I'm talking about other health, health experts. Because you've heard the word anecdotal or anecdote being bantered about, and I think it's being thrown out there by the fake news. It's an incorrect use by the fake news and CNN and others because there is no question that it's not – that. There's no question that this is not proven in large clinical studies in America. We know that. We know that this treatment is not proven in large clinical studies in America. This has been supported, however, with case studies. This doctor in France has treated a thousand people. Now we know seven have died and they were older and they had pre-existing health issues, but this really is not anecdotal folks. This is the opposite of anecdotal. And I think doctors like Fauci and others, but I think the media knows this. And the doctor in France and others in the medical field are all stunned at the overload of concern about the side effects. I thought that was interesting. Look, a small study with statistical significance is important, folks. If a small trial shows statistical evidence, it should be respected and paid attention to. That's all we're saying. That's all Trump is saying. Now, why Fauci seems to be poo-pooing this is unclear. He seems to have the view that it's important to have controlled, randomized, and to methodology, basically, I should say, to, 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 to methodically proceed scientifically to come out with the determination. That's what he seems to be focused on. Trump is a, is a president, a wartime president, we are at war with the Chinese plague, folks. That's what this is. And we're at war. And however we go about this, we need to be looking at a battlefield solution. And that's what Trump's trying to do here. Trump is trying to find a battlefield solution to defeat this enemy. Now, we know that this drug has been, drug has been used for decades already. So what is the problem the media is having? I, I don't get it. I think the problem they're having is they see that it, it has hope and promise, and they know that Trump is going to release and turn off, turn loose the economy once he has some treatment that can be relied upon as reasonably, reasonably relied upon uh, to to uh, to treat people. He, and they all know this, and that's what they're concerned about. Now we heard some uh, we heard some discussion about about Trump um, having, uh, I should say about the Trump people having uh, some sort of a, a, a problem, a, a rub up, if you will. And again, I, I think, you know, you, you saw, you saw some people in the Trump campaign with Fauci, I guess, dis disagreeing and the media is trying to 
pick at that scab, I guess. There was a question in the, the, what they were having a dust up about was whether the surge of supply of, of this treatment, the 29 million tablets to the hot, the hot zones. And so they, the task force was talking about this and there was, a, there was some heated discussion about it. There was, but they were, they were eventually unanimously approved. They all were unanimously approved. And again, yes, we, we, we do not have 100% proof that this works. However, we have numerous studies, including random study, that's now going to be reported on in a week or two. But there is there, there was a random study that was done that shows therapeutic effectiveness. It does show that. See, now, everyone now seems to be referencing that Trump <clears throat> come forward with a plan. I think another thing that's interesting on the media malpractice is watching what Jake Tapper just did. You know, Trump's out there every day with this plan. Trump fully addresses mitigation plans, projections, detailed descriptions of PPEs and whatever else. This is all out there every day. And CNN and the Sultans of Sinister, they've all continued to input a narrative instead of informing the American public in the middle of a pandemic. I think that's that's nefarious. But they're re and now they're even refusing to cover the full Trump briefings. And they 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 are they're they're they're. They're seemingly cutting the ends off and then coming back and then doing their own reporting. They want to put Trump in a filter and he says, it's just not working. But I mean, uh, they're watching, they're watching Trump's poll numbers increase. They're seeing it go on and on. Now they claim that they didn't want to cover disinformation. So they're, they're trying to withdraw on some of this. And like I said, they're limiting coverage. So instead, they're cutting away from briefings or not covering them. So now we have a fake journalist, Jake Tapper. He's out there. And here comes the narrative. We need to see Trump's plan. I, I just think that's delicious because Trump's plan is out there every day. Look, Chuck Todd, Jake Tapper, Nicole Wallace, they're all lining up with softball interviews with Joe Biden in his basement bunker. And no one's challenging questions or no, there's no, no challenging questions being made to the guy. There's no involve follow-up or anything like that. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to attempt to portray Biden in the most favorable light possible. That's what they're trying to do. And the problem is he's incompetent. And of course, the other problem is Trump is unfiltered and unedited. <laughs> so Biden's blunders are epic and disturbing. And they're seeing Trump just out there looking like a leader in a wartime. And they're just driving them crazy. The fake news are, are able to cover up for now for Biden, but they can't they can't do this cover up forever. You know, you have billions of corporate dollars being sacrificed to undermine and beat Trump. And they're even going after they're even going as far as blaming Trump for the virus itself. I heard Chuck Chuck Utah ask questions like, is the blood of the dead on Trump's hands? Now this is recent, folks. This is like in the last couple of weeks. I couldn't believe it. This is insane. This is, of course, this, of course, isn't washing. And, and I think the public sees it. And I think that during the daily briefings, Trump is being asked prepared questions, not questions for clarifications on developments, but nuanced questions like like Acosta asking, do you think your statements from three weeks ago gave false hope to people? <laughs> we see the, the propaganda ask Monday morning quarterback questions. One of their favorites is looking back. Looking back, Mr. President, can you identify any actions that you that you would do that you would do different if you could do them again? 
I talked about this last week. Megan McCain was in, was she did an interview with Newt Gingrich on the View a few weeks ago, and she referenced an article and she started to read the article. She said, "Quote." There was an article out in the New York Times this morning, she said, that talks about how all the doctors in the country this morning are writing their wills and having to change it because the people they're close to are either too old or fellow doctors and they may die. Some people have resorted to wearing garbage bags because they don't have the right supplies or gear. She said, I'm furious, she said. Most Americans are furious. She says, this seems like a referendum on many things, but especially the unpreparedness that we had for a crisis like this. What went wrong and what what can an average Americans watching in horror do to help? And I think Gingrich reminded her of the depleted stockpiles that were not replaced by Obama and, and Biden. So he talked her in off the ledge, as I said last week. He actually brought her in off the ledge, said, Megan, you're going to be OK and we're going to be all right as a country. Uh, you know, because, I mean, as we see now, the PPEs are out there and, uh, you know, we we don't have the same problem we had a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is that she didn't even talk about the cornering of the market. You know, that the, the Chinese actually were lying to us. So we're going to get to that when we get to the timeline a little bit. But the Chinese actually misrepresented the uh, their the the severity of what they were going through and countries were sending their ppes to china i mean and and leaving themselves with none while the chinese while withholding data from us and information from us were allowing their people that were infected to consider to continue to seed the virus all over uninfected planet earth i think that's very telling as well that that megan mccain didn't now newt newt didn't bring that up i'm just bringing that up but look, the Pravda, the Pravda propaganda networks are acting like the demons of deceit and deception. Like CNN stopped reporting the live handlings that they talked about. CBS news footage. I thought there was CBS news footage from an Italian hospital showing the carnage in Italy, and they represented it as full footage from a New York hospital. CBS claimed it was an editing error. Yeah, right, an editing mistake. I, I, I'll believe that, too. I mean, my goodness. I mean, this is deliberate, folks. They don't put editing mistakes like that out there. I mean, the Sultans of Sinister look more like Bond villains. You know, they look more like Bond villains. That's what they look like, James Bond villains, than a media outlet trying to push a political agenda. You know, I mean, they're, they're looking like horrible people. I mean, they, they resemble an enemy of the people than a news agency. I mean, they got caught trying to portray American hospitals were overrun and overwhelmed. That's what they got caught. CBS got caught. And the demons of deceit showed grim footage of this room full of sick patients who looked like they were being hooked up to ventilators. Folks, this is media fraud. This is media malpractice. That's what this is. This categorically proves their hope, their aspiration is for us to be overrun with panic. And we see that, you see that in the news briefings. I mean, you wonder why he's getting so many, so many stupid questions, so many money morning quarterback questions, so many nuanced questions. Okay, because their aspirations for us to be overrun with panic. I mean, they're, 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 they're hoping and, in fact, rooting for the virus to overrun our country to prove that Trump can't, lose, that, that, that Trump can't win, that he can be beat by a virus. So they, they, this is how insane these people are. I mean, how about CBS News? They, they, back in early March, they straight out lied by saying Trump told sick people to go to work. 
That really happened on March 5th, folks. That's a lie. CBS News on March 11th stated they were blacklisting words like blacklist or black tie event or black belt or black Friday because they were declaring that those were racial words. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic and they're talking about blacklisting words. CBS News reported on on uh, November 15th of last year that 2019 saw more deadly mass shooting victims than there were days in the year. Well, the country suffered through 319 dead and we had 366 days last year. So I think they were wrong there too. You know, like I said, the Sultans of Sinister, they're like Bond, James Bond villains from a James Bond movie. CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, the failed newspapers, the Washington Times, I should say the Washington Post and the New York Times. Washington Times really is a good paper. But they're all, remember they were all reporting the Russian hoax like it was the story of the century. Remember that? I mean, the New York Times and Washington Post, I believe both won Pulitzer. They won Pulitzer Prizes for this. Pulitzer Prizes for this. For reporting on the Russian hoax. And, And again, there was nothing there. This came up with an empty sack. Remember, no indictments for Russian collusion or obstruction. Remember, happy collusion, happy no obstruction on March 24th of last year? Well, we wasted all this time in the Russian collusion and Russian hoax. We wasted all that time, and they lost credibility there. And again, these same Bond villains, these same make China great again globalists, continued with their impeachment sham on a phone call with a prime minister where there was nothing wrong. Folks, normally the intelligence chairman of the House Intel Committee was, you know, normally they, they, you would see these people trying to, to look into things. But the, 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 in other words, the, the, the intelligence chairman of the House Intel Committee was wrapped up in impeachment, and he likely knows that any investigation that he's looking to maybe bring about is going to show that he was wrapped up in impeachment because the House Intel Committee did nothing. There was no House meeting on anything. There was no House committee meeting, subcommittee meeting until mid-February on this coronavirus. There was nothing out there at all. They didn't meet at all on this until mid-February. You know, this seems to be their goal, though, is to sink the president, to show the president should have done more before January 27th. That seems to be what they're shooting for here. And again, you're watching these sultans of sinister like Adam Schiff now looking to form a nonpartisan commission to study the response to COVID-19. I wonder if they're going to look into his own response and the, own, and the House response. And now they didn't even have a meeting on it until mid-February. Well, here we go again. He just justifies his intent by saying that after Pearl Harbor, we formed a commission to measure our response. Okay. Okay, Adam Shifty. Okay, now I guess you're going to justify, you're going to put Pearl Harbor in, in, in Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And that whole thing about forming a commission on what happened in Pearl Harbor, you're going to put that on a moral equivalency with you looking at this when you know exactly what happened, because we know what the new, we know what the timeline is. We have it. And we know that the Chinese lied to us. We know the Chinese government did not give us correct information. We know that. Therefore, this must be purely political and everyone needs, everyone sees it and everyone knows it. You know, you know, we know that Fauci in February stated different outcome anticipations due to the Chinese misinformation. We know this. 
We know China gave us bad information. We know this. You had Andrew the Pious Cuomo. He turned down investing in ventilators to invest in solar energy. We know this. That's right. He made a conscious decision to spend taxpayer money on something other than ventilators and PPEs. In fact, the governor of New York, Andrew the Pious Cuomo, did not replace their own stockpiles in their state after the swine flu outbreak. So here he was. He'd been, he's like a two-term governor. He didn't replace anything. Matter of fact, all these governors have to put their own PP together, PPEs together. They all do. They all have their own little stockpiles. And what Trump was actually saying to everybody was, folks, I mean, you're, you know, the, the, the national stockpile was depleted with the swine flu, and it wasn't replaced with the six years Obama and Biden and Kathleen Sebelius were running things. So we get all that. But the states could have been replacing their own, and they weren't. I mean, let's cut the comedy here. You know, I, Trump basically said in one of his press conferences that the U.S. government is not a store or a warehouse looking to stock the states with PPEs. They are supposed to get and spend and get and spend their own money, their own, their own budgets on their own PPEs. They're supposed to do that. They got to go out and spend their own budget money on buying PPEs for their states. Now, the U.S. government is there to fill in the gaps, but the U.S. government is not there to replace the state's responsibility to supply their own PPEs. And I look forward with anticipation to Trump having that discussion with Joe Biden on a, on a debate stage. I look forward with anticipation. Okay, I, I mean, I'm savoring over this like I'd be savoring over a delicious steak. Because it really, it really looks, it looks very... This, this is not going to go well for the Democrats. Trump is going to make very clear that the governors of these states had their own responsibilities to budget into their own state budgets to purchase the PPEs. And they all failed to do it. Now, what's, what's so tactful, and I say tactful because Trump is not being tactless. Trump is being tactful. He's not going after the governors. So I'm going to go after the governors. So we here on the point are going to go after the governors. Because quite frankly, they're all responsible for stocking their own PPEs and, and budgeting their own budgets. Why not blame Trump for, for water problems in the, in the city of Flint, Michigan? Why don't you blame the governor of Michigan or the, you know, the, or the, or the people that run the city of Flint? I mean, if that was to happen now, they'd be blaming Trump for that. You remember when that happened? They weren't blaming Barack Hussein Obama for the dirty water in Flint, Michigan. They were blaming the governor of Michigan and the, and the, and the, and the mayors and the leaders, the leaders of Flint, the city leaders. They weren't, blaming, they weren't blaming Obama. I think that's interesting. And so you see the media now going after Trump for the PPEs not being there. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't his deal to stock the states, the 50 states PPE stockpiles. It was their own responsibility, and they all failed to do it. Let's just cut the comedy. The governors of these states did not foresee an epidemic or a pandemic. They did not foresee the, the Chinese plague coming in upon them. They did not see this. <clears throat> they didn't foresee it. So therefore, they didn't do anything about it. They just didn't foresee it. None of them did. That's why they weren't stocking these things. Now, Trump is helping these states. Trump is getting 
these companies, these private industries all together, they've, they've put together all these companies and all the efforts from all these companies to create these PPEs. I mean, they're, they're making masks and everything else. I mean, look, the Chinese cornered the market. All these countries gave China their PPEs, and then China's selling them back, not giving them back, but selling them back. China actually purchased 2 billion masks. Now, we know that. We know that from, uh, from economic records throughout the country, throughout the world. Are they, I mean, look at the corner of the market on this. Look, when did Trump convene the COVID-19 task force? January 27, two weeks after the first COVID-19 case in the U.S. took place. That's a fact. We know that. We know that. The Democrat House did not convene a subcommittee meeting on the topic until late February. I, I, I said that earlier, mid to late February. These are facts, folks. This isn't hyperbole. I am unpacking this with a punch right here on our show, The Point. The Democrats were distracted with impeachment and Trump derangement syndrome, and it affected their handling of this crisis. That's right, folks. They didn't handle it right. Some would say that maybe Trump should have convened the task force sooner. Well, when exactly would that have happened? When, when should he have done that? So let's look at the COVID timeline. Keep in mind that the Chinese, the communists, were keeping facts from us. We know that communists knew since mid-December that the virus threat, they knew what it was, and they allowed their people, again, to travel around the world and see this virus everywhere. And I said Peter Navarro stated recently that the communists hid the dangers for about five to six weeks from the world. Now, it also appears that China, during this two-month period, was attempting to corner the market, and they did. They bought up large quantities from around the world at a time when everyone else but China was unsuspecting of this threat. The Chinese customs data shows that they purchased over 2 billion masks between January 24th and February 28th. We know this. This is serious, folks, and there's a chance they could be sued this or more. I mean, I don't know how this is going to pan out, but... This is not going to bow well for China when all the dust settles, I tell you right now. You know, back on December 10th, we, we know we had the first corona patient becoming ill. And the World Health Organization, four days later, told the world that the Chinese plague is not contagious. They told everybody four days after the first person became ill. We know this. This is the timeline. So in December through February, House Intel committees looking into impeachment they were that's what they were doing from december through february the house intel committee was looking into impeachment all the house subcommittees they were all preoccupied the democrats were preoccupied with impeachment they were not meeting on the virus infiltration they were not meeting at all the house subcommittees weren't doing anything don't miss that folks on december 27th wuhan health officials were told that a new virus is causing the illness. Now, everyone, might, you might want to remind Joe Biden it was a coronavirus. On December 30th, top director A. Fen at the Wuhan Central Hospital posts information on WeChat about the new virus. She was reprimanded for doing so and told not to spread the information. And then, of course, she disappeared. Presume, presumably, Maybe sent off to some obscure concentration camp for re-education. Or worse. On December 30, a day later, December 31st, China announces they're investigating a pneumonia breakout. They were calling it a pneumonia breakout December 31st. 
On January 1st, a day later, eight other doctors who posted information on WeChat were called in for question and threatened to shut up. So now you've got Chinese doctors out there saying, we got a real problem here. And the, the communists were muzzling these people. On January 7th, the CDC established an incident management system. And on, on the same day, Xi Ping, Xi Jinping, the, the president, the communist benevolent dictator, he personally became involved in the response. On January 11th, the Wuhan Health Commission were brought in and instead there were no new, and, and stated, I should say, that there were no new cases of this virus spread. Now, the World Health Organization, three days later, on January 14th, stated that the, China, the communist authorities have found no clear evidence of human-to-human -human transmission of this novel coronavirus identified in Wuhan, China. So this is January 14th. Three days after that, the CDC sent 100-plus staffers to, to specific U.S. airports to screen travelers who had been in Wuhan. And again, this is all while Trump's going through impeachment, okay? So the CDC's working here, folks. They're doing. They're, they're looking into this. You just don't shut down travel to a country without getting your facts together. And the Chinese kept all the facts down, so we had to get our facts ourselves. That made it very difficult for us to fight this in a timely fashion. We weren't getting accurate information from the communists. Big surprise. The communists were lying to us. So January 18th, China hosted its annual Lunar New Year banquet, and tens of thousands of people gathered for a potluck in Wuhan, China, which is the epicenter of the, of the Chinese Black Plague here. On January 20th, China admitted the disease can spread from person to person. Now you've got China saying it can, it can be transmitted from person to person. January 20th. You had a, a top Chinese doctor, Zhang Nashan, who was helping coordinate the coronavirus response. He announced the virus can be passed from person to person. January 21st, CDC activated, now again, the day later, the CDC activates its emergency operations center. We had the first American diagnosed with COVID, okay? So now, again, you, you, you've got, after the Chinese response, now, of course, I think we already had a one person here with it. One person was diagnosed, but whatever the case is, the, the CDC, right after the Chinese said this can be transmitted from person to person, activates the emergency operations center, and then... Six days later, the Trump task force kicks in. And then the next day, the January 28th, Trump's travel ban kicked in. And on January 30th, the World Health Organization announced that COVID-19 is a public health emergency and a global threat. So here and now, everyone's responding to China's information. Now China's being clear, and now everyone's responding to what is too late. And that's the truth of it. On February 4th, COVID-19 was addressed at the State of the Union. Remember that, folks? Trump did address it at the State of the Union. Biden stated Trump was xenophobic for the China travel ban on February 6th. And again, since then, until recently, Pelosi called Trump a racist and encouraged people. She encouraged people that showed up at, at, at Chinatown at the Dim Sun Corner restaurant back on February 24th. She was down there. This is a this is a newspaper article out of San Francisco. Uh, that she was out there thanking everybody for showing up at the restaurant, the Chinese restaurant in Chinatown on February 24th. 
Fauci even made a comment. He said, look, China's delay in transparency on the coronavirus <clears throat> affected the response from other countries. It would have been a more quick response. They'd have been more quick on the trigger to try and to inhibit travel to China in their country. And, and Fauci said the same thing that we've been saying right here. <clears throat> he stated in early January, it became clear that what the Chinese had, he said early January, he said in early January, it became clear what the Chinese had it claimed originally that this was just a virus that jumped from an animal reservoir to a human and wasn't being transmitted from human to human. Well, he said it became very, very clear very quickly that it wasn't the case that they were lying. In other words, he said that they lied. You know, folks, I'm, I'm optimistic on a lot of different things. I believe right now, as a country, there's we have a lot to hope. We have a lot to look forward to. I think we have to leave it there, folks. We're out of time. But I wanted to just thank everybody for listening to us. And, and again, I, I, we, we have a lot to look forward to. We have a lot of hope. Okay, this is, uh, you know, this is Holy Week. I mean, Easter is tomorrow and uh, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we're in Holy Week. And I think it's just important for us to all look up when we see situations get out of our control or become too hard for us to control and handle, we need to turn to God who can do anything. Because with man, much is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Folks, again, we're out of time. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Thanks for being with us today on The Point. We appreciate you listening to us this morning and every week. That's why we're here. Tune in every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right here on AM Radio 1180WFYL for this distinct discussion. Some of our audience listens to The Point live at 1180WFYL.com. Some click listen live by going there. Others go to YouTube and search 1180WFYL on the YouTube search bar and, and listen live there. Others just listen to us on the podcast when they're up and others in the listening area during normal airtime. However you choose to listen to us, we appreciate it. We and, and, and me and, and Russell and all of us here at WFYL, we all appreciate you very much. Thanks for being with us. I'm Clay Brees. See you next week on The Point. Goodbye for now.